pays for continuing education? And even more importantly, who decides what continuing education your staff gets? This week, we want to talk about the myriad of problems posed by continuing education and the lack thereof in the veterinary practice. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And we all need continuing education to keep our licenses up. So if you're an RVT, CVT, LVT, and all that other stuff out there, or a DVM or VMD, you know what I'm talking about. But who decides when you go, what you go to, and who pays? This week, we want to talk about some of the pitfalls and perils of continuing education and practice. But before we talk about all of that mess, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And then registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, we're at the halfway point of the year. So a lot of vets and vet techs are kind of saying, oh, I need to get my CE before the end of the year, or maybe they're already making plans for 2024. But that's really not what catalyzed this conversation. Tell us a little bit about what you were thinking when you said, hey, Ernie, let's talk about this. Well, you know, I do a lot of CE for Behringer and I travel all over the country and I meet a lot of different technicians and a lot of different assistants in the environment where Behringer is providing a CE event. And I hear a lot of different stories about how much technicians get for CE, if they get anything for CE, who in the clinic gets it, who uses it, who doesn't use it. And it just kind of occurred to me, it's really all over the board. And, you know, it made me think about how intentional are we being with our continuing education dollars? How much of a benefit is our practice offering in terms of continuing education dollars? And should it even be considered a benefit when those continuing education dollars are what are required for you to maintain your licensure to be employed there? Is, Is that a benefit or is that just sort of like, yeah, you got to pay me and you got to pay for me to do the things for me to be here. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, because if you're going to hold the title of DVM RVT, then you have to meet the requirements of licensing. And yeah, you're right. Who's responsible for that? And look, guys, we don't expect to be able to solve all those problems today, but we do want to encourage you to have these conversations with your coworkers and your management. So Becky, let's start off with the probably the most important aspect of this. And what you always need to follow is the money, right? So Becky, I think you have some stats on like who gets what and how much. I mean, we don't have a lot of information, but share with us what you found. Well, I mean, the the most that we have right now, it comes from NAFTA just in terms of what benefits are offered in terms of, of what clinics give technicians. 60% of employees, um, in the, in the NAFTA survey in 2022 said that they did offer paid vacation, overtime, holidays, um, discounted pet care, insurance, uh, different kinds of insurance too. There's, we're seeing more pet insurance. We're seeing more vision, dental. Um, and then of course, CE registration and the CE registration and travel expenses is something that is becoming actually kind of is it newly reported as being a benefit, newly being introduced from clinics, paid sick time and 401ks. I, again, I think I could do a whole podcast on which one of those I would consider benefits and which one of those I would consider standard. But, um, 
I think it's interesting to think that it's actually only 60%. Like that, that's a big percentage of clinics. Like if I told you, Hey, come to vet med, there's a 40% chance you won't have benefits. (laughs) What, what would you, how would you feel about that? Yeah, not great. And, and, you know, one of the golden carrots that's been dangled for veterinarians, Becky, the past few years is this exact point, right? They, they've been really dangling the carrot of, Hey, we pay for CE and you're traveling all that stuff. And so right now, and again, the data is pretty scarce, but it's estimated that the average vet salary contract gives them about three to $5,000 per year for continuing education. Now, at first that seems like a lot of money, but Becky, you know, you start adding up airfare and hotel and all that stuff. I mean, it, it goes pretty quickly. I am a Astounded on a regular. Okay. Well, actually, let me talk out of both sides of my mouth. Okay. The, 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 the side of me that has been behind the scenes of conference planning is not surprised. Okay. Because right. it costs an exponential amount of money to put these things on. I mean, I know for a fact that those, those canisters of coffee are as much as a hundred dollars yeah. and they go through hundreds of those in weekends, right? So thousands of dollars just in coffee alone. However, I can never fail to be a little bit sticker shocked would be a better way of saying this at registration costs, especially for veterinary technicians. I have seen registrations that are more than the car payment for our, our very nice, very yeah, <laughs> expensive right, pickup right. truck parked in my Good driveway. Point. Right. And I think to myself, like I am trying to think back in my career when CE was probably the most important because I was still building a lot of foundational skills. I was still learning a lot of networking skills and, and I could have benefited the very most from these conferences. How little of a chance there was that I could pay three, four, five hundred dollars plus eat out for four days plus Uber back and forth plus, um, you know, everything else that goes with attending these conferences. So it's, it, it feels a little bit impossible. There's so to, to, to get great education, to get the exposure of a national conference, which I, I really believe all of our employees should have because they really do think it is a different level of energy, networking, and education. Instead, very often would be leveraging these free CE opportunities, as many online one-hour courses as I could, and it really pigeonholed where I could expand my knowledge. Yeah, and if you're able to, guys, I mean, one of the reasons why I love working for NABC is they're still doing their best to keep costs down. So in Orlando every January, the North American Veterinary Conference, now VMX, it's 125 bucks right now, early bird. So again, I'm not here to, to shill for that, but I'm just saying that you know you can find deals out there. That's for five days of world-class CE. So hey, I'm a fan. But Becky, getting back to that, Okay, so so money is one aspect of it. So if you're out there viewfinders listening today and you're going, well, I don't get anything near like that, or you go, my boss will only you know give me like five hundred dollars to go to continuing at, then that tells you where their priorities and emphasis is, right, Becky? I mean, that, I think that's the, leads me to the next thing I want to ask you about is you know who decides like if you get it or not, right? I mean, I mean that's fundamentally. Let's just start there, Becky. Do you, if you're a manager, an owner, a boss, do you give your staff? this benefit? You you mentioned in the outset, you got to have it, but do you? I think yes. For me, yes. Because, and and, and you need to have it in writing, right? Like you need that commitment. You need to know how often and any stipulations around it. 
And what happens if you don't use it, right? Like, it, do you lose it? Um, does it roll over? So if, if you are only going to offer me $350 or $500 a year and I have to renew my credentials every two years, could I get $1,000 for one renewal period and maybe get to do something a little bit more advanced? Um, again, our travel expenses going to be included and for you and I, should they be? Right. Right. And again, I, I think this is really important, guys, to negotiate this up front. There may be some tax advantages, obviously, by negotiating benefits as separate from salary. Um, and again, if you aren't familiar with that, then talk to an accountant for sure. But regardless, Becky, I think that that should be part of your negotiation. I agree 100%, Becky. You should say, I need it in writing. And then you need to get into the details because you're right. A lot of times they kind of have a boilerplate contract and it says $500 a year. Well, you only do it every two years in some states. So, right, maybe that $500 carries over, maybe you lose it. So I think you need to really be careful with that kind of stuff. But Becky, aside from the the the, the starting point of, okay, we do this and we give a certain amount, I think the next thing is, what about where you go, right? I mean, some, some clinics will say, well, we can't let you go five days down to Orlando. Right. That's the other part, right, is how... How does this work? So I, I know also like same thing. Some clinics have the struggle of, well, all of our veterinarians want to go to the same conference. So they have to rotate years because we can't have all of our veterinarians out on the same week and the same with registered or credentialed staff. So they'll, they'll make the bigger popular conferences beyond rotation so that everybody gets a chance to go. But the clinic doesn't suffer through that time frame without having enough staff. That is such a great point in terms of the amount of time that you're gone. And I, I, I and, and I'm throwing another, uh, wall on this, uh, a sticker on the wall here that we could talk about is do you take that time as vacation or is that time straight yeah. out of your clinic? Cause I know a lot of clinics, especially with the technicians are either not getting paid or have to take PTO to go attend these events. Well, five days of vacation might be all they have. So that is another area I think that you're right. We should have really clear discussion and really clear planning and written contracting. Yeah, Becky, and, and to your point, this actually came up with uh, one of our vertical vet vets uh, not too long ago. They were having this conversation with me, and they were talking about uh, an associate who was upset with them. And so, again, this is from the boss side of the equation. And basically, in their contract, they were given five days for continuing education and a stipend, right? So they gave me a couple thousand dollars, whatever it was. And, of course, this uh, young associate needed more time than the five days allocated. And you're exactly right, because what they said was, well, you'll have to take your vacation time then. You know, that's fine. We'll work it out somehow. But that's now you're in your your, your vacation credit. And of course, this associate was not happy with that. So viewfinders, this is a real dilemma. And I'd love to know from you guys if you've had a similar situation occur in your practice because, uh, you know, I, I there's really no way around this. I kind of encouraged the owners like, well, look, it's just an extra, it was really one extra day. And I was like, just give it to them, you know, but that didn't go over so well either. But Becky, you're right. I mean, you've got to get this stuff nailed down. Now, there's another layer here that that might also compound the problem, and that is sometimes, let's say your associate wants to go to an exotics 
conference and you guys don't do a lot of exotics, okay? So sometimes the manager or the boss is going to be like, wait, I'm not paying for that. We don't do rabbits and gerbils and snakes, right? But yet maybe that that associate has a real interest in it. And, and a lot of that, Becky, is driven by fear. They're like, oh, maybe they're going to go work somewhere else or take another job or open their own clinic. But maybe they also want to grow a revenue center in your own clinic. Becky, what do you say about that? Like, do you ever hear of techs like wanting to go somewhere and the, and the boss is saying, uh, maybe there's a better one? Yeah, right. Well, yes. And I think that is kind of the other part of the conversation that I'm I'm interested in is, is how much regulation should your practice have over the money that they're giving you to spend. And so you're right. I mean, if you're if you're interested in exotics, if you're interested in what if you just wanted to go to like the an equine or a zoo conference just because it's fascinating com- content and and you just want to keep your brain learning new things, but it is not going to necessarily benefit the practice at all. I'm interested to know what other people have to say about that because I'm on the fence. I think it depends. If I'm calling it a benefit and it is something that I'm weighing out as a benefit, then to me, it is a quote unquote gift. You do with it what you want. I'm giving you this money for your CE. If I don't consider it a benefit, in other words, I pay for your CE, there's no set amount. Um, it's what I consider part of your contract to ensure your ability to execute your job description is kept up to date, then maybe I would have a little bit more say in it and would say, you know, unfortunately, we're not able to pay for this one, but you're welcome to go. You know, you can pay out of your own pocket or you could take your vacation days and go to this one. But if we're paying and it's coming out of our pocket and we're paying you to be there, and we're paying for the travel and the food and everything involved, then I think it is fair to say we would want it to be something that could come back and benefit the clinic. Yeah, it needs to be in writing, Becky, 100%. You could even just put a clause in there saying subject to approval, right? I mean, something like that. But if otherwise, you just leave it open and let them do it. And I'll tell you, Becky, I've been in this exact same situation. I had a, a, fa- a fantastic veterinary technician for many, many years who whose hobby was horses, right? I mean, she was a horsey person, right? And she actually gave uh, lessons on the weekends or in time off. So she loved horses. Well, sure enough, Becky, there was a, a horse uh, conference that rolled around uh, in the Carolinas. It was in, down in South Carolina. I think it was down, um, what, what's that, south of uh, Charleston area down there. Anyway, regardless, she wanted to go. And we didn't have some kind of, you know, stipulation in our contract, so we let her go. And honestly, you know, the only requirement we had of CE, of our staff members, vets, techs, whomever, was that they had to come back and give a presentation. And she did a fantastic, we learned so much, and it was fascinating. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to just tell you viewfinders, sometimes learning something completely outside of what you do in the daily really can innovate uh, what you do. So, I mean, it can spark innovation, rather. And so I, I think that, you know, there is benefit to doing this kind of stuff, but if if you don't want to pay for it, as Becky said, then put it in writing. I don't know, Becky. I mean, you, you see where that's going. And, and honestly, I'll, I'll tell you, that conference, that that's also what builds loyalty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the fact that she got to go to this amazing equine conference, learn some things that she would have never done, didn't have anything to do with her real life job. But boy, it just meant so much to her on a personal level. Again, that's that other little thing that kind of nudges them to you, you know? I agree. And I, I almost guarantee you, 
she walked around that conference saying, my boss is paying for me to be here. We don't even do equine, <laughs> but they paid for me. They're so great. Probably, and so you're right. Yeah, they're they're out there her, singing yeah. the praises. There is so much gratitude in being to able to explore what excites you. And I think it's an important thing, especially because there are so many areas of veterinary medicine and people have so much passion and interest. And so maybe it's a behavior conference. They want to go to the Carrier and Prior Clicker Academy training conference, which I highly recommend. Some of the most brilliant minds in training and veterinary medicine speak at that clinic or at that conference. Um, I agree. Coming back and, and sharing what you learned, getting other people excited. There's so much benefit to it. So much kind of residual adjacent benefit from them just learning a new skill or technique that it, it is probably the most worthwhile way to fulfill your, your staff's needs. And guys, I will tell you, almost all branches of medicine are complementary in some fashion. So she actually brought back some things like, hey, did you know they have this type of dressing? You know, we never heard of this wound cleaner, right? And it's like, oh, wow, this, I didn't realize it. And, you know, upon researching, it was like, oh, wow, people are using this in small animals. So it was just fascinating. And so don't ever just be closed-minded. Always be open-minded to opportunities in the world whenever possible. But again, if you don't want to pay for it, put it in writing. Just make it, make those expectations clear up front. Becky, I guess, you know, the other thing too is um, potentially the impact on other staff, right? And so I know we've discussed this roundabouts and lots of different podcasts over the past six and a half years, but Becky, let's say that, you know, your RBTs are going off, they're getting paid extra to go to CE, but your non-credentialed folks are left behind. How do you manage sort of those emotions? I think that transparency is essential. And I also personally feel like everybody in the clinic does deserve CE. Now, maybe it's not necessarily um, uh, the same CE allowance as your credentialed teams, right, right. but I think you should help find CE for everyone in the clinic because nobody likes to feel left out. Again, it's very exclusionary if you don't really know. I have so many CSRs who come to my lectures that learn so much about preventatives, that learn so much about parasites and, and so much about having conversations with their clients. And then they're going to have a, a more productive conversation with their credentialed staff and their assistants. So I think that everybody in the clinic deserves CE. Everybody in the clinic participates in medicine. And if there is a difference in how it's delivered, you make it clear. I don't feel like you should be apologetic that credentialed staff get something that non-credentialed staff don't. And I think this is like a really hard point for a lot of people because they're like, I don't have the credential, but I have the job title and I do the work. And I'm like, well, that's a big part of the problem. Right, right. Um, but on top of that, I don't feel like you should be apologetic about facilitating this education for folks who have a state requirement that had to take a, a board exam to have their credential and have to maintain that credential with that CE. But I do think that everybody deserves some kind of CE. And so I think it should be within, whether it is in the, the levels within the clinic. So if you're at this level that, you know, nurse level one, nurse level two, as a credential technician, there could be different amounts allowed, um, assistant levels, there could be different amounts allowed, but there should be a base amount and uh, of money and CE that everyone in the clinic should be required to do. And I am seeing this more and more. I am seeing more clinics requiring some kind of CE of all of their staff in a way to be inclusive and to ensure that they're being more educated. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly how we ran ours. So, Becky, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. The other thing, too, Becky, is this is where, like, those local and regional CE opportunities really shine because you can send your whole team. You know, in fact, when I was doing a lot of those, uh, you know, dinner circuit speeches, uh, that was one of the things I would say is that we have to open it up for the whole team. My team is for, I mean, my message is for the entire team. And, you know, and there were a few times when the companies would push back on that, but for the most part, they'd be like, okay, we get it, you know, because fill the room kind of thing. But regardless, the, the, find those opportunities and with today's virtual educational opportunities, there's almost no excuse, right? And so I think that sometimes what people are most miffed about is the time away, right? They feel like that's unfair. But if you can say, well, hey, you know, everybody, we do these dinner meetings or whatever that are available in your area. I mean, I think you can find some opportunity. But more importantly, Becky, I'm with you. You know, I'm a vet, so I have different professional requirements than a receptionist or a kennel attendant or even a tech, a veterinary technician. So you know, I think people just have to understand that and then understand that they might get different tiers of continuing education, as you mentioned, and but but everybody still counts and, and they're needed. I, I guess if that's I, I guess what I want to say about that too is like if that's the the tone, if that's the content you're getting back, there's a problem yeah, somewhere. Right, and it's right. either with the individual who is toxic and doesn't understand and I want what they have and I'm I'm not willing to say that I understand and be a team player that way. Or you have a transparency problem and you've not explained it and you've not made it clear or you, or you're, or you're doing something wrong. Like you're not making it fair or you're so like, if you're hearing that you need to ask questions, you know, why do you feel that way? Does everyone feel that way? Let's reexamine this, this system. Because if people don't see the value of your technicians in like, okay, they're going to this conference, it's a five-day conference, they're going to come back and, and give us education, then you're probably not giving them the level of respect and utilization in your clinic that you should be to elevate them as credentialed staff. Yeah, I love that. Now, again, viewfinders, I think that that for the most part, veterinarians who are listening to this today, we're kind of covered and we can always argue for more and better. But, you know, it's part of our conversation, Becky. It's one of those golden carrots that is being dangled at vets all across the country. So we're doing a good job there. I don't think we're doing as good of a job yet with our registered veterinary technicians. Becky, what would you say to those corporate leaders, those practice owners out there, independent practice owners who are still on the fence about offering, you know, I would say significant uh, continuing education benefits for their veterinary technicians. Best of luck getting good staff. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So it's being discussed privately. Like you guys are going, hey, I don't go there because they don't offer CE. Yeah, right. Good luck. Seriously, good luck with the recruitment and good luck with retention. Because And now is certainly not the time. But on top of that, I, there's nothing to really be on the fence about. End of story. Um, if you, again, I, I, I keep saying, if you cannot afford these basic stand, it, 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 here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to go on a rant. Okay. We get <laughs> go, mad go, at go. our clients because they can't afford the basic standards of care, right? We hold our clients to a bar that says you should be able to do this as a minimum to be considered a good pet owner. Now, if you can do this, you'd be considered a great pet owner. And if you could do this, we'd be considered the best pet owner I could work with. However, we don't turn that mirror around and look at ourselves as employers and practice owners and say, here's the bare minimum that employees should be getting. And so if you're not doing it, then you, then you're not, you're not vaccinating your dog for parvo in 
your your phil- philosophical dog or philosophical <laughs> parvoer, excuse is what I want to say. You're not doing the lowest standard of care and you are the manager that if you were a dog owner, people would be talking about and people are talking about you. So I guess that's it in my head. The other thing I want to say about that is like, stop throwing numbers out on a table that make no sense because you don't do any research or they're not built or anything. So we we throw darts. Okay. How about 500? How about a thousand? How about 1500? How about you do the research and you say, here is the cost of the, the major conferences across America. And so on average, it will cost you three to $500 just to walk in that door of that conference for the duration of the time. Your average plane ticket is this. Your average hotel is this. This would get you to one major conference of year. And that's the budget. And that's part of running your practice well. That's part of not running your practices on your employees' back. That's part of being a part of the solution and not the problem. Yeah. And and one final note, Becky, I've run across this a couple of times in my career, and that is vets. And again, only with vets, because that's typically, you know, who I'm working with, uh, complaining. They said, well, I had a $3,000 $3,000 continuing education allowance and only used $1,000 like they're entitled to the remaining $2,000. Becky, just kind of give some clarification around like when people give you that as a benefit, they're not like just giving you the cash. They're actually giving you a budget, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of like your FHA or your FSAs and um, HSAs. I mean, like that money goes in there to be used for things that are clearly defined and if it's not used for those, you, you lose it. You have so long to use it and then you do lose it. Um, I think it, you know, so I don't see this as a dollar amount that you earn. I, I would, I think it's a little arrogant to say I only use a thousand and I was allotted 3000. Okay. Wait, but so like, and then what they denied your request to go do the rest of the 2000 worth of CE, or you just didn't pursue it. You know, um, I think that's the major difference there. And I think, again, it's important for us as employees to know what we want to receive. So as much as your, your practice should be doing the research for these numbers, when you go in and you say, I only get 350, I only get a thousand, I only get 1500. Well, what, CE do you go to? What CE do you want to go to? What should you be getting? Do you know the amount that you should be asking for? And I think oftentimes we don't. Yeah, I think that's the best way to approach this, guys. If you're negotiating a new contract, instead of just settling on a arbitrary number, like Becky said, actually do, you may have to do this as a prospective employee and say, okay, I want to go to the VMX conference. It's going to cost me X dollar in airfare and hotel and food and, and registration. And, and then, you know, come up with a reasonable budget. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be exact, but it has to be close. And that way I think you're in a stronger position. So I, again, Becky, I, I love this conversation. It's one of those conversations that we need to have more of. And again, the, the point today, guys, was not to solve all these problems, but to hopefully encourage you to go and talk to your coworkers and your management about this. Becky, any last words of advice to that staff member who's listening today and they're really not happy with their CE offering and they'd like to change that? Yeah, I mean, I ask for better, but know what you're asking for. Um, I, I think it's worth being able to define what you expect to get out of this ask. You know, there's sort of your, your boss is going to want to know the what's in it for me. And that's fair. Um, but don't be afraid to ask for better. Like you deserve it. This is part of your job. This is part of what you contribute to the practice. Um, and expand your options. If you've never been to a national, uh, event and CE conference, 
please take the opportunity to go. Um, if you're not giving everybody um, on your team an opportunity to learn and grow and do better, then please learn and grow and do better yourself because <laughs> they all deserve it and they all want it and they're all absolutely worth it. And the only thing it's going to do is benefit your practice. Viewfinders, just rewind that part and go play that for your manager and I think you're done. So I love that. Viewfinders, what do you think about continuing education? How do you negotiate? How who, who decides where you go and how much you're able to spend? We'd love to hear your successes and challenges and how can they share with some of those stories with us, Becky? Well, you guys can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can shoot me a uh, email over at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. I don't know. Vet Tech Cafe podcast is now complaining about the co- complaints. I guess there's too many. So I guess I'll send you to Chirps and Chatter and send it over there yes. to Tabitha and uh, see what she's got to say. Yeah, Tabitha loves to take our complaints. So if you have a complaint about the podcast, just hit them up at Chirps and Ch- Chatter. Wait, what is it again? Chirps and... That's just the Chirps and Chatter podcast. Okay, I got that right, but it just sounded so awkward. But Tabitha loves to take those. So thank you very much, guys. Until next week, we thank you very much for listening. Almost seven years. Becky, bye. Bye. Good one. I like that. <laughs>